Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. Well, hey, welcome. Welcome to Bethel Midweek. It's good to have you guys here. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a fun night. We are starting a new series called The Better Story, and um, we're talking about evangelism. We're talking about the act of sharing Jesus with other people, and just that word for so many people, you know, your uh, anxiety might have gone up, because either uh, you are uncomfortable sharing the message of Jesus with other people, or you feel bad because you don't, um, or maybe you feel good about yourself because you do, uh, and, and however you kind of approach this or wherever you're coming into this from, uh, I, I think that we all have our own vantage point on a topic such as this, that I think that if we look at what Scripture says, then we actually don't walk into it with a, a heavier burden. But actually, I think that Scripture's goal so often is to lighten our burden so we can actually walk in the life that God has for us. And so um, this series, I'm really excited about it uh, because uh, and it might be, um, you know, the question might start with why would it be called the better story? And it has to do a little bit with how stories work. So in the beginning of any story, any movie you've ever seen or any, uh, you know, storybook that you might read to your kids, a novel that you read, it always starts with setting up an equilibrium, uh, something that's normal, and then normally in the first little bit, one of the first things that happens is upsetting that equilibrium. Something changes, and now the character has a problem that needs to be solved. If there's no problem, there's no movie. If there's no problem, there's no book. It is that Pastor Delvin woke up, Pastor Delvin brushed his teeth, Pastor Delvin went to work. And after so much of that, it starts to not only not be very entertaining, but it doesn't impact me, it doesn't move me. Who cares? But in every good story, it starts with setting an equilibrium and breaking that equilibrium. Well, we're all living stories and we all have equilibriums that have been broken. There's something that, that we all have inherently, that we, there's a problem to solve in our lives. And in the Christian worldview, we would say, you know, that the problem has something to do with our own brokenness because our choice to, to not choose God, but to choose our own way. But I think even if you don't identify as a Christian, there's not a question on, on whether there's something wrong or not. Something is wrong uh, in your life, in the world. And so uh, what is instantly introduced when the equilibrium is broken in a story is called a story loop. There's now something that needs to be resolved for the story to have a happy ending. Frodo needs to put the ring in Mount Doom. You know, Harry Potter needs to, whatever Harry Potter needs to do, he needs to find the, hor the horcruxes. Is that what it's called? <laughs> I watched it a while ago. If you're like, Harry Potter's the devil, they just click. It's okay, hey, we're just talking about stories, you know? Like, who, whoever it is, like, Simba needs to, uh, to reconcile the inner guilt, you know, of feeling responsible for his father's death. You can go through every single story you've ever heard, and there's something that needs to be resolved. Well, the reason we're calling this series uh, The Better Stories is because whatever story you're living, Jesus is the resolve to the gap that you feel. And so often when we view this topic of evangelism, sharing Jesus with other people as one way and to only look that way, we lose sight that the gospel is bigger than just one view. 
Like the gospel is bigger than just uh, this idea uh, that we'll get to here in just a moment. But before uh, we do that, I do want to, you know, I believe in, in giving credit where credit's due, citing your sources, uh, you know, things like that. So uh, a large basis of my thinking around evangelism has to come from uh, this guy named Sam Chan. And Sam Chan uh, is an amazing author. This is a book that I am giving uh, credit endorsement to. It's amazing evangelism. Evangelism in a Skeptical World. He has other writings. Uh, one's called uh, How to Talk About Jesus Without Being That Guy. Uh, one is Talking to Skeptics. This is a little bit, it has a, a bit of a summary of all of those. But before anything sounds like, man, Bryson has great ideas. A lot of them were, lar- were influenced by Sam Chan's writings, and I would definitely recommend him. Sam Chan, really hard to spell. It's like seven letters. Uh, no, but really, so uh, let's look out, uh, and we're going to look tonight at First Thessalonians. And in First Thessalonians uh, chapter 1, verse 4, uh, you can read on your, um, your own iPad or book, or you can read up there if you can see it. Uh, we're we're going to scribble some stuff, and so that's why it's kind of in a different context. But let me just read First Thessalonians uh, 1, 4 through 10. For we know, brothers and sisters, and I want you to pay attention to the evangelistic moment that's happening here. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, We do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Jesus, help us. Lord, help us understand your words so we can be your messengers, God, so that we can invite people into the better story that you offer. God, we thank you and we love you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, when we look at it in an interaction like this, Paul and his compatriots are in, uh, and they're with the Thessalonians, uh, and it's talking about this gospel exchange, that they came, And they used words and power and their lifestyle. And suddenly, or or over time, uh, these guys, the Thessalonians, uh, became believers based on those things. And and when we view evangelism, I think that we largely can do it uh, with a a few, like, two key players, right? So the key players, in this case, are, would be Paul, uh, and he comes with words and power. So we say evangelism, right, is me, a person, coming primarily with words, but the Holy Spirit obviously gives us power. I don't have a lot of power in my own hands, but the Holy Spirit through me or through you. Uh, But there's me, and I'm the R, and then there's the you, the Thessalonians. So I do the talking, and you do the turning. So you have the external 
presentation of the gospel that I can only use my lips to go to your ears. That's as compelling as I can be. And then you have the choice to turn, or the uh, Christian word for that is repentance, to, to turn the direction of your life. And I think that, it, yes, it is, but it's not only that. Because when we view it just as that, and we don't have anything else highlighted, we don't look any deeper, then that's a lot of pressure on me. That's a lot of pressure on you. And I can spend hours and hours, read books and books, and, and try and be a better uh, articulator of this message of Jesus. Should you do that? Absolutely. Yes, we want to do that. But I think instead of focusing on telling the story better, what if we focus on telling a better story? Here's what I mean. It might not be about how articulate I can be at explaining things and how I can break down all of the metaphors and illustrations on how this looks to give your life to Jesus. Uh, but actually, uh, if I can just invite you into something, if I can paint the picture of a life available in Christ, what if you could tell the story of Jesus in a way that they wanted it to be true? That you're not trying to compel someone, manipulate someone, convince someone into uh, making a, a, this turning point, this, uh, you know, this moment where they turn to God and serve him. Uh, that it's not a, a moment of like, hey, I'm going to sell you this, this Jesus guy. He's going to answer all your questions. He's going to solve all your problems. No, but, but really, like, what if we could tell a better story? And when we look at evangelism, uh, this idea of evangelism as a word, actually, there's not a time in the Bible where it says evangelism. And here's what I mean. But in order to understand that, I want to look at maybe another word that's going to help us understand. So think about um, these two words. To idealize something or to be an idealist is different usage of this idea of an ideal. So to idealize uh, is, is to be driven by an idea or a, a preferred future. To be an idealist, you are someone who I idealizes. And so we call all of those things together idealism. So someone ises, or they are an ist, but is powered, the engine of idealism is your ideal. So why this is important is because if we look at this idea of evangelism scripturally, it's not evangelism, it's built on this word euangelium, which is the gospel, the message of Jesus, the message that Jesus came and he died for our sin uh, so we can now be made right with God, the message of, uh, of Jesus. And so you shorten that down to just the part of, evangel of you know, evangelism. And if you look at scripture, you have two usage, usages of this, uses. Um, so there's evangelize, which is to preach the gospel, and there's an evangelist, the person who preaches the gospel, anyone who's preaching the gospel in this point. But why is this important? We've called all of this evangelism is the whole idea behind, you know, that, that encompasses all of this stuff, the act of evangelizing or being an evangelist. But the reason it's important is because when we think of evangelism, I think too often we only think of the eyes or the ist. We think of evangelism as somebody talking. But I think it's a little bit more than that because, yes, it's you using words, 
But the engine of this thing is not you, the ist, ising. That is not the evangelist evangelizing, but the weight is on the good news. So as long as it's me, the ist, being able to eyes, then it's only these two characters. It's only the me and the you. But when I look at scripture, it's a little bit different than that. And you have uh, here the, the, the evangelist and the evangelizers, you know, but uh, if you look a little bit deeper, it's more than that. And I think about this message of Jesus and the way that we can so often turn it into only that. And when we do that, I don't know about you, but a lot of us feel excluded because you only have the Pastor Rices and the Joe Penrods and the, you know, the total enthusiastic, charismatic speaker, Enneagram 7, go-getter, like let's just extroverted, turn up for Jesus. And I don't know about you, but that's not my thing. You know, we think about to, evangel to evangelize is to go on campus and do the God test. To evangelize is to go share your testimony to your unsaved neighbor. To evangelize. And when we do that, we start to constrict uh, some of the things that God actually wants to bring it in. And I think when we're starting this series, it's important that before we start talking about what we're doing, uh, we need to talk, instead of talking about telling the better story, we need to know what the better story is. And it starts to get really dangerous when we have one move. Because if the better story that I know, the only better story that I know is that I'm a bad person and God is really, like I'm really bad and God's really good and so God had to send Jesus to take the, the punishment that the really bad people, you know, deserve so that I could have what the really good people deserve. Now, like, don't get me wrong, that is 100% correct, but in order to summarize things, you by necessity have to leave things out. So in order to make something tight and compact, you can't talk through 66 books of the Bible, you know, in one conversation. So you have to leave things out. But when we do that, we get so, uh, you know, codified in this one thing. Uh, like the, the point isn't to get, you know, uh, it, the point is to get people to Jesus. The point is to get people to the cross. And so if you view the gospel as this, you have the current state that you live in, like, and then there's an action that you need to take to get to Jesus, the gospel that so often we, it's nice a little teachy, not super preachy. So if you're like, when's the jokes, you know, when are the jokes going to come or the illustrations, you get scribbles. So God bless you. Just before, like, if you're just like waiting for the punchline, we're just, we're doing this. We're talking about like Jesus and the gospel and stuff. Um, and some of the scribbles, if you, uh, you know, instead of drawing on your um, stuff. If you don't want to do that that fast, you can actually go to thebetterstory.bethelworld.org and we uploaded all these things that we're, we're building if that is helpful to you. Or if you're like, your handwriting is terrible, then I get that too. But uh, you have a current state that as a, you know, what we might say is a lost person or a person who does not believe in God, uh, doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. There's a current state that you exist in. There's an action you need to take to get to Jesus. And that's going to get you to this cross, you know, and salvation. So the, the message that we so often share or we heard or we received is that you are sinful, so you need to repent because Jesus is the Savior. Again, 
100% correct, 1,000% correct. But when that's our only play, in order for me to teach you about how good God is, I need to make you feel bad first. Because first I need to convince you that you're a sinner, and then I need to convince you that there's a Savior to save you from a problem you never realized you had. And it's kind of like if you're selling vacuums, having a little bit of dirt in your pocket. So you, you walk in, it's like, hey, hey, just oh, look, you need a vacuum. Like you, you don't, that's not the move. Like that's shady. Like you, so the move, like it, it, it's a move, but it doesn't need to be like, hey, Daniel, hey, I'm Bryson. This, it's really good. How are you doing today? Yeah, you're good. Can I just tell you, you're a sinner and you're going to hell. You just, you really are, man. I'm sorry to bring bad news. I don't know you, you don't know me, but you're definitely going to hell. Um, But I have a solution. I know this guy, Jesus, and he did some stuff to make it where you don't have to go to hell. Pretty compelling, right? No, but like, if that's our only move, first we need to make people feel bad in order to sell them this solution to the problem that they don't really realize that they have. But what if it was bigger than this? And here's just a few examples. Like the gospel is bigger than you were bad and so you can, you know, be made right with God. You were sinful, so now there's a savior. What if we realized that I was wandering and I had no idea what to do? So the action that I need to take is to follow this guy, Jesus, because Jesus isn't just the savior, he's also the way. That Jesus, the way, offers me guidance, and that guidance is in the context of a relationship with God, only available by the cross, because Jesus died for us to be in relationship with God. It's the same message, the same outcome, but going through a different road. Or, or think about this: like I, I, I'm, I'm, uh, there's deception in in my life. I'm, you know, believing a lie. There's certain things that I'm operating with the wrong iOS, if you will. Then you have. Luan, iOS is for Apple, Android, sorry, this, I shouldn't have said Apple thing in the presence of Android users, um, so I, operating system, there's a little more inclusive there. So, uh, you know, y- you could be operating out of falsehood, and the action you take is to believe because Jesus is the truth. You might feel like you're spiritually dead or, or purposeless, well, you're invited into a new life because Jesus is the life, but all these things are only available because he made that sacrifice on our behalf behalf. If, you know, we're self-righteous and we think that we can do it all on our own, then the action we can take is call on his name because he is our righteousness. Like if we feel like we're blind, we don't know where to go, we don't know what decision is next, we don't know how to properly understand the things that are in front of us, then we get to receive illumination when we receive the light of Jesus. When we feel dirty, not just like sinful, like I did bad things, but um, I feel dirty and unclean because of the things that I've done. We can be cleansed because we the, the high priest, the sacrificial lamb who made a way for us to be in relationship with God, Think about this person who's feeling impure. Is the ministry moment for me to convince them that they're a sinner? Really, if someone's feeling that, is the ministry moment, is my on-ramp to the gospel, you don't know, it's your fault. Yeah, you shouldn't have done that. But for so many... Like you, you think about like someone who's broken and hurting. If your only play is you're sinful... If someone's grieving a, 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 you know, a lost loved person, the move isn't, well, were, were they a believer? Because they might be in hell. Come on, man. Like, no. 
In that case, we say death is unnatural because we weren't created to be that way. It was created different than this, and it feels wrong because it is wrong. Because we, right now, you know, we, you find your way onto uh, to the cross. It doesn't have to start with, yeah, because you're a bad person, you're going to hell. Like, and as we do that, think about, because in order to summarize something, you inevitably have to leave things out. If you come through the, I was sinful, I need to repent, and, and now I have a savior, absolutely, you're, in, you're there, you're in the cross, and you, you know, go on to, to uncover that Jesus is my light, and Jesus is my righteousness, and Jesus is the truth and the life. And so whatever path that you, you get here, you're going to get to this. I'm going to get to the fact that there's sin in my life that needs to be repented of. But it doesn't need to be the starting point. That when we realize, which I'm not trying to talk you out of that move. I'm just saying that the gospel is a lot bigger than just that. And I think when we only view it as that, we think that the gospel only uh, has to do with our morality. And so because the message of Jesus that we received was I'm a bad person and so I need to stop doing bad things, I need to turn from those and start serving Jesus, then Jesus gets to be the Lord of my morality where I feel bad when I sin and I feel good when I don't sin. And I miss out if I never get further to realize that Jesus is my wisdom Like Jesus is my guidance. Jesus is my high priest. Jesus is my righteousness. He's the living bread. All of these things. Like when we just view the gospel as just this one-sided component, we miss out on so much. And why is this important? Because when I look at this, if I'm not the, the person that, you know, the, the camp is going, God testing, you know, fire breathing preacher, I go, well, okay, I, I could get into that. Like, that's, that, that's doable. Maybe I, maybe I can't start with, hey, you're a sinner that's going to go to hell, but I can start with, man, like, it, it seems like, you know, you might need some guidance in life. You're kind of, you don't really know what's going on. Well, I, I can tell you that I actually don't struggle with that as much because I, you know, have a relationship with someone who knows exactly what I should do. And so all I have to do is follow Jesus. You see, I don't need to go, well, you're probably wandering because you're no good sinner. Like that's, if you want to like end a gospel conversation, that's a great way to do it. Like it, it makes me go, man, that's, that's kind of possible. That evangelism doesn't have to be just that way. And I, I want to just look at two baseball players. Um, this right here is you, you might know Barry Bonds. And so Barry Bonds um, right here, uh, this, uh, I don't know if this picture is exactly, but Barry Bonds uh, holds the, uh, the home run record for a single season, I think all time as well, uh, a single season. So in a single season in 2001, uh, he had 73 home runs. 73 home runs. And I think that when we view evangelism as just that one-off, I met a stranger, I preached the gospel, they gave their life to Jesus and their life was never the same. When we view it just as the home runs, then we're never going to get up to bat. 
When we say it's that or bust, then we're swinging for the fences and we're discouraged when it doesn't happen because I didn't evangelize good enough. Me, the evangelist, didn't do the evangelizing, even though I skipped right over the evangel part of it. Like, but I didn't do good, and so I'm not doing evangelism right. But I want to compare him to another player. So Barry Bonds had 73 home runs, and RBIs is just runs batted in. So when you bat, the amount of points that your team scored because people on, your, uh, on the bases you know, uh, made it to home was 137. But let's look now at Hack Wilson. This is Hack Wilson in 1930. Hack Wilson, in a single season, had 56 home runs and 191 RBIs. So he had 20 fewer home runs, but almost 60 more points. When evangelism is only about home runs, I think we miss the base hits win games. Because what if it wasn't just that I saw someone at Kroger and I pulled out the God test, I saw someone at, you know, at Starbucks and I said, hey, you look like you need Jesus and I preached the gospel, they got saved there on the moment. But what if evangelism was also having a deep conversation at mom's group while our kids played? You know, or, or that friend that you realize is not gonna be an overnight thing, but I'm gonna get him one step closer to Jesus. Because I think the statistic is, is something along the lines of uh, someone, uh, most people who respond to the gospel heard it seven times before that. They're like, maybe you're not number seven, you're number three. And if you feel like it's just about home runs, you, you, you're missing the point that maybe you're the guy that hit a base hit. And yeah, you got to first, you, you got to second, and someone else is going to get it later. It's not that you're a bad evangelist or did a bad job evangelizing, but the evangel is going to do the work. That the message of the gospel is going to carry weight, it's going to plant seeds. And I even think about, you know, a few months ago, we were at the, uh, the campus of Tennessee State University, and uh, there's a moment we, it, it was one that from the outside could look like the home run moment. We walk up, we, hey, there's a guy, you know, we just can do the God test and we, you know, lead him to Jesus on the spot. We're like, man, yeah, this is awesome. So we text, I text a picture to Luan and, and I go, look, God's moving on TSU. He's like, hey, I know that guy. You do? With the 9,000 students at Tennessee State University? I know him. He was at my small group last week. And he was at my small group because someone else invited him. And so you look at these points of contact where if you just look at it as the home run hit, it's like, man, that was incredible. Man, we just like did the best gospel presentation. Maybe it was us talking to him. It changed his life forever. <laughs> like, but it, it wasn't. So the friend had a part in getting him to a life group. The life group planted seeds to be thinking about during the week. So when we showed up, I mean, we were, we were barely getting the ball in the end zone, but we were starting from one yard away. It's not like this huge, impressive, like 100-yard, you know, whatever. I'm using all these sports analogies. I'm way over my head. I, don't, I barely even know what a 100-yard run, you know, sports ball. But let's look here um, as we start to, start to land a plane. Because in 1 Thessalonians 1, 4 through 10... We have the two characters. You have Paul, who's the our, and Thessalonians, who are the you. 
But I think this chunk is too long to think it's just about them too. And so think about an evangelistic opportunity that you might have had or, or are praying to have where you get to share the message of Jesus with somebody else. So in this view, right, there's, there's us, there's, or Paul in this case, giving the external call, the message of Jesus to the person. We do the talking, they do the turning. But let's read this one more time. It says this, let me find my place. So it says this, For we know, brothers and sisters, that loved by God, he has chosen you. So God did the choosing. Then we did the talking. Because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power. With the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how uh, we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of uh, severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. So we can give the external call, but I cannot convict somebody, nor can I put joy in their heart. So I can take responsibility, sure, for the presentation of it, but I can't save anybody. No one's going to heaven because in the name of Bryson, I, I, I have an inability to turn someone's heart. But as I am faithful with my presentation of the gospel, the Holy Spirit's faithful in doing his work. As I do my work, he does his work. And so uh, now we have, uh, you know, God did the choosing. I did the talking, the Holy Spirit did the convicting and the giving of joy, and then you have the Thessalonians doing the turning and the receiving, but it's only because Jesus did the saving. And so that changes this to this. So... That's a lot of pressure on me to be really good at this. And I'm not that good at this. I'm a broken person who fumbles over his words sometimes and, you know, walks out of a gospel conversation and goes, oh, I should have said this. Or, man, I didn't say that. I missed that part. Man. But when we realize I'm walking in with some pretty heavy artillery, that I'm not going as the evangelist to do evangelizing, but I have the power of the gospel and the Trinity that God has already done the choosing. Jesus has already done the saving. And the Holy Spirit is faithful to do the convicting. And so if I just open my mouth, then it's giving someone an opportunity to turn. And what if they don't? What if they don't? God's sovereign. God has a plan. Jesus did the saving. God already did the choosing, and the Holy Spirit can be doing things even when I walk away. Because what if that person who invited uh, my friend to, to that small group said, oh man, he came to the small group, but he didn't really like respond to anything. He kind of was texting the whole time. Man, I'm terrible at this. Or, or think about a small group moment, thinking, man, I did my best, you know, I, I did my hardest, you know, my pitch for, for Jesus and why we should follow him, but he just, he was texting and he, he, he left. 
as long as we're faithful to do our part, God's faithful to do his. And that even, I don't even like how I just said that because God's faithfulness is not dependent on our faithfulness. Like, so God is, is more faithful to us. It's not an if then. It's not if we're faithful, then he's faithful. Because his, he's faithful, we should be faithful. And here's the last little box. Here's the, the kind of, uh, the, the, the pivot. Because even this is me partnering with God it's not even me telling a good story because between me and them is the gospel. And so now I'm barely a guy that just showed up to the party. Like I'm no longer the master of ceremonies. I'm no longer here as the the amazing salesperson to tell you the 10 reasons Jesus is going to change your life. I I don't need to memorize all the things. I don't need to read all the books, listen to all the podcasts. But as long as I have a better story that I'm inviting somebody into, I'm saying, hey, life doesn't have to look like it lives. Like life doesn't have to look like it does right now because God did the choosing and Jesus did the saving. I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit is doing the convicting. I'm going to take responsibility, sure, for the external call, but even in my brokenness, as long as I do it in some version of this, that I can somehow get somebody from one of these places to one of these things to get to Jesus, I'm going to be all right. I'm going to be okay, not because I'm so good at preaching, but because I'm living a better story because the story loop that was opened at some point in my life, in your life, Jesus has inserted himself as the preferred future for my story. And it looks a lot of ways I wish that I had time to, to really hop in, but this is um, uh, just a slide that, um, again, if you go to Sounds like a pitch. It's it's free. I didn't make it. It's just thebetterstory.bethworld.org. You can get like these just if it's helpful. But I love looking. This is in a book called uh, Church Plantology, where he gives forms of evangelism found in Scripture. And so it is not only I'm going to go out and share my testimony, or I'm going to go out and teach people about the Bible. I'm going to go you know out and and serve. I'm going to go out. It, it shows up in so many different ways that we can display Jesus to the world. That for you to be an evangelist or someone who evangelizes does not need to mean that you block out an hour a week where you go to a place and intentionally sit there. Yeah, Starbucks waiting for... I was, I was one time, this is so weird. I, it wasn't in, in the notes, but I just need to tell you how weird it was. I was somewhere, and this guy was washing his hands in the bathroom, inviting people to his Bible study. And it's like, whatever. So I'm going to encourage the guy. I got to wash my hands. And I'm about to be like, yeah, hey, bro, hey, you're, we're all on the same team. Good job. Like, keep on, whatever. And I realized he was just washing his hands endlessly, Hanging out in the back, like in perpetuity, like like he just is washing his hands. That's his move. Like sitting in the bathroom, inviting guys to his Bible study. Now, maybe it's working for him. I don't know. I should I shouldn't judge. I was like, dude, that's weird. Um, but I'm saying evangelism doesn't need to look like that. God help us. It doesn't need to look like that. Maybe it's your move. If you're watching, keep doing you, man. Um, but it, it, like it, when we see that evangelism 
is not so fine-tuned or, or fine point. I think, and where I started is where I'll kind of end. I think when we do that, it takes our shoulders and makes them a little bit lighter. Because when we view it only as home runs, we'll never get up to bat. And we just feel bad that we never hit home runs. And we go, man. Think about it. You could go, man, I haven't led someone to Jesus in years. I'm a really bad evangelist. Like you could be uh, in this spot where you, maybe you can never point to a, a time where you prayed that prayer with somebody and you go, I, I just, I'm just going to, I guess, lead a small group or I'm going to uh, be a bigger giver. Maybe evangelism just isn't my thing. And it starts becoming a place of shame, not a place of joy because you just feel bad about it. What if you're feeling bad about something that was never asked of you? Like, you feel really bad. And of course, are we supposed to, like the, the quote, the uh, preach the gospel always and when necessary, use words. You need to use words. Like, it's, it's not like, let's just go be good people and blink and people are going to get saved. Like, no, like, it, there's, the, the conversation has to happen. The confrontation of the confrontational gospel telling me there's something wrong in my life that I need to make a decision. Absolutely, it needs to happen. But of those seven gospel conversations that someone needs to have in general to make that, that conversion experience or that decision, what if you're number four? And then another time you're number three. Another time you're number six. Another time you're number two, but you're saying, because I'm not number seven every time, I shouldn't even try. Man. I think if we just lighten our shoulders a little bit, we realize that we're all on the same team. We're playing the same game. And if, I, if I'm playing, here's another sports analogy. This is for free. I'm just going to be very proud of all these. If I'm playing football... I don't need to score the touchdown. I'm just trying to get the ball in the right direction. And it might be a first down. It might be just a few yards. But doggone it, I'm going to take that ball and I'm going to run with everything I have because my team needs it. And I might not be the, you know, you, you think about all the positions on a football field. Everybody is important. Somebody needs to do their job. And if somebody doesn't do their job, it's not just the wide receiver who catches the, you know, the ball. It's not just the quarterback who throws the ball. It's the, here's an area I don't know the other spots on the field. But I'm sure it would make a really great analogy. All the people are important. And so I hope tonight, I, I'm just going to uh, leave this up. Um, because I, I guess um, if there was a, a call, a plea, a, an application point, an action step, is just to think about these, what is it, three, seven, I think, seven things, and there's probably more. Think about nine, thank you. Can't, don't know football, can't do math. I don't, why do you even let me talk? No, look, look at these nine things and, and think what's something that's already in my rhythm? Something, what's something I'm comfortable with? Or something that I, that I do naturally. Or something that I have an opportunity to do. Maybe I don't do it enough, but I, I like it. I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good at it. Or I'm, I'm kind of, are you really good and, and comfortable with one-on-one -on -one conversations? You're not the, the person on a microphone, but you, know, you really connect one-on-one. -on -one. Are you really like, passionate about sharing like, what Jesus has done in your life? 
Or do you just have a, want to have a really smart conversation about philosophy? I love talking to, to people who are unbelievers about what they believe in the world. I hang out with so many Christians that it's like, wow, that's how you explain that. Oh, my goodness. Like, and you have a really deep conversation to point, you know, to take steps down the field to go, well, there's actually a, a better story than that. Like, is it something you, you really feel comfortable serving? You're like, hey, I'm not, the, I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy. I'm not that girl, you know, whatever. But I can show up with a, a mop and a bucket. I can show the love of Jesus. I can serve on Tuesday nights down at the Bridge Ministries, uh, downtown doing, you know, home, feeding the homeless. I can do that. And so you can go through all of these, and there's uh, examples in Scripture um, alongside it. Um, but I would just encourage you this week to live a better story and to live it in such a way that you can give yourself more credit than you may have been giving yourself credit that you go hey I'm actually I'm, I'm on the field you know uh, I'm, I'm playing the game I'm here we're going in the right direction I might not be number seven but I, I'm number five I'm number three and I'm helping my friends I'm helping my family members take steps closer to Jesus because it's not on me it's on God because it's, when I have a conversation about Jesus it's not just me and my bright ideas and a book I read even you know the, the book Pastor Bryson said is really good it like it doesn't even matter it's, it's that I am a guy who has Jesus who did the saving God who did the choose God the Father who did the choosing and the Holy Spirit who's going to do the convicting. So as long as I stick to the gospel, the message that Jesus has a better story for you and for me, it's going to be okay. Would you stand with me? When you have a conversation like that, you are inviting someone into a better story, that Jesus is the happy ending, if you will. He is the resolution to the problems that we face, both practical and spiritual Let's pray. God, we need your help. Jesus, we look at ourselves rightly as such a small part in the equation. God, that we have so little to offer in our own strength and our own wisdom, and thank you that it's not just up to us. God, thank you that because of your, your plan, your message, and your spirit, your power, God, that, that we can go with confidence and boldness, not necessarily looking like uh, bravado, not just looking like charisma, um, but God, just confidence. That when we have that conversation at playgroup that nudges a mom just a step towards you, God, that when we have that brief interaction in our workplace, God, that it nudges someone a little closer towards you, that the way we live is appealing. God, help us communicate your message, God, through our lives and through our words in a way people want it to be true. God, in a way that people are so attracted to you, not our pitch, God, not our sales, you know, uh, uh, display, God, or presentation, uh, but just you. Help us get out of the way to show you to a broken world that needs you desperately. God, we love you. We thank you that we're anointed and appointed for such a time as this. God, help us be solution bringers. God, help us be hope bringers. God, help us be people who bring calm and peace to chaos. Lord, thank you that all of this is only available by your power through your spirit in the name of Jesus. Amen.